2: Welcome to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media.
0: I'm Jim DiRogatis, the pop music critic at the Chicago Sun-Times. And I'm Greg Kotz. I write about rock and roll for the Chicago Tribune. Today on the world's only rock and roll talk show, Jim and I take out the year's biggest turkeys during our Thanksgiving turkey shoot.
2: Plus, we'll review the latest album from pop singer Rihanna and the first solo disc from Stroke's leader, Julian
0: Casablancas. You are listening to Sound Opinions, and now it's time for some music news.
1: I dreamed a dream in time gone by When hope was high and life worth living I dreamed that love would never die
2: Greg Cott, wipe back that tear. Hold it together, man. I know this is moving you. But that is I Dreamed a Dream from Susan Boyle. And her new album, also called I Dreamed a Dream, of course that's from the libretto of Les Mis, Mm -hmm. Why on earth are we talking about Susan Boyle, the 48-year-old Scottish homebody on Sound Opinions? Because she is making musical news and history, really, in terms of the pop charts. According to her publicist, who happened to be Bruce Springsteen's publicist, and her record company, Columbia, in the United States, she has broken all records at Amazon.com for the most pre-orders for an album ever. This year alone, outpowering the Beatles reissues, Jay-Z, and Whitney Houston. Mm. She's on track in week one of this album's release to sell a million records, and she has garnered an astounding, according to at least one source I saw, 300 million hits of that (laughs) song on YouTube. Just put that in perspective. There are 304 million people in the United States. The population of the U.S. is downloading this record. This is insane. Now, this is part of a truly unique and truly 2009 phenomenon that I, I sure hope in, you know, down the road, five, 10 years, people will look back and say, this is the most absurd thing ever. I can't believe they did this in 2009. It's quite possible at the end of the year. The two best-selling artists in the music world will both have been brought to us by the phenomenon, the dreaded phenomenon of reality television. You're going to talk about the second one, but in Susan Boyle's case, this woman was living at home with her cat Pebbles, singing only in church, until one day she gets roped into performing on Britain's Got Talent, takes off, Instantly. It's a contrived storyline. She does not look like a perfect pop princess by any stretch of the imagination. And let's put this woman with a beautiful voice out there and see what happens. She didn't win the contest. She placed second. But here she is now, full on in the American media machine, hyping this new record. She's inescapable at the moment. Here is a snippet, right? There's a little bit, there are a couple of baby boom pop covers. There are a couple of church standards in honor of the season. There's a version of Silent Night. There's something for everyone on this album. Here is her rendition of The Monkees' Daydream Believer, a little bit of it.
3: Oh, I could hide neath the wings of the bluebird as she sings. Six o'clock alarm would never ring
1: But it rings and arrives Wipe the sleep out of my eyes The tears of yesterday don't mean a thing
3: Sleepy Oh, what can it mean To a
0: daydream
3: believer And a homecoming queen
0: Susan Boyle with her version of Daydream Believer on Sound Opinions. Uh, Jim, as you said, one of the most inexplicable pop phenomenons of the year basically doing like a 50s mainstream pop sound. You know, you'd hear this on a Patty Page or a uh, Julie Andrews record from the 50s. And I think that's the the, the audience it's aiming for. The
2: orchestral schmaltz on this record is, is almost unrivaled of anything I've ever heard.
0: But nonetheless, a huge, huge hit. And as you said, reality television elevated this woman to this mainstream level that's absurd when you consider the numbers that she's doing, when the rest of the industry is literally tanking. Yeah, or you consider
2: that, you know, at this moment, across the United States of America, there are a thousand mezzo-sopranos, every bit as
0: talented as this woman, but they didn't get the glare of that media spotlight from reality TV. Yeah, and, and the polar opposite of Susan Boyle is uh, is Adam Lambert, who, again, was a runner-up in a reality television show, American Idol. He finished second to uh, the winner last spring Chris Allen but all the buzz right now is about Lambert Uh, a couple of reasons his debut album for your entertainment just came out and in the usually easily ignored American Music Awards program last week he not only stole the show but created several days worth of gossip (laughs) column controversy (laughs) I'm not going to go into explicit detail about that performance you can easily call it up on YouTube if you want to see sort of a Marilyn Manson style shock glam rocker in action that's what Adam Lambert was doing breaking a number of taboos on national television completely opposite of what you'd expect from a normally manicured American Idol contestant to be doing most of these personalities in the American Idol contest have been pretty bland in fact Susan Boyle is kinda representative of of what they normally go for you know a bit of a storyline bland performances Adam Lambert seems to be determined to actually develop an actual personality I'm not quite sure he pulled it off the other night, but he sure had people talking about him a couple of days later. His debut album is a serious attempt to channel some of that Manson, Alice Cooper, David Bowie, glam, glitter, shock rock tactics, whatever you want to call it. He is definitely going in that direction. We've seen most of these singers go into the pop ballad direction. He is clearly his own person on this record. But the problem is that it puts him in too narrow of a box, I think. He does have an actual personality. They're still trying to make a mainstream pop star out of him. I think you saw the tension and the difficulties with that the other night. You had a lot of people saying, well, he's gone too far, expecting this sort of homogenized American Idol type of singer. And there's another segment of the audience cheering on, saying, hey, yeah, we need some life. We need some personality in our pop music. It'll be fascinating to see where he goes from here. He's definitely at a crossroads. He's got this American Idol fame going for him, but he clearly wants to do something different. He's the number one challenger to Susan Boyle being the uh, top album in the country right now with his debut album, For Your Entertainment. Which one will the American public choose as the best? We'll find out in another week. Ah!
2: You're listening to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. He's Greg Cott. and those turkeys sounding in the background mean that it's time for our annual Thanksgiving turkey shoot here on Sound Opinions. You know, as awful as the Susan Boyle and Adam Lambert records were, Greg, those would not qualify as turkeys as we define them for this show, because we didn't have any expectations for those artists, right? A turkey, a real turkey, is something that, that this artist has always delivered for us. This is a great artist who, on the latest encounter, has given us pure garbage. <laughs> has to be breaking our hearts to play these records.
0: Yes, and our hearts are broken uh, when we listen to these particular releases. We're going to each give you our our, uh, top three turkeys of the year, and we're also going to check in with our listeners to have them weigh in on this. We usually start these kind of things with a coin flip, a specially coined coin for these particular <laughs> occasions. In this case, we decided to pick out our two favorite turkeys, two artists who have gravely disappointed us with their careers after extremely promising starts we've got rod stewart on one side unbelievable what's become of him oh yeah and and we've got johnny Lydon, aka johnny rotten on the other who started out his career with a with a bang you know the first sex Sex pistols Pistols. record and obviously the first couple of public image limited records but it's now amazing now doing commercials for butter in the uk (laughs) on the bbc all right so i'm gonna take Lydon. let's flip it in the air
2: it's uh, it's Johnny Rotten, uh, the former Johnny Rotten. Yep.
0: You get to go first with your first turkey, Mr. Cot. Well, this one really hurts, Jim, because uh, I've been a huge Neil Young fan for decades, as have you. We're both fans. Yeah. And uh, he's done a lot of stellar work. But Fork in the Road, his 2009 studio album, was a major, major letdown for me. I saw him road test some of these songs on his 2008 tour, and uh, even then I was kind of going, God, I wonder if he's going to actually <laughs> release these things. <laughs> but you always hope for the best young basically writing and and then recording a record kind of while on the road can lead to some golden moments uh spontaneity has always been a key thing for young he does things very much when he's in the mood to do them. And and if he loses the mood, he's never going to go back to it. So you want to get that stuff when it's fresh out of the oven. And and a lot of times that's worked for Neil Young. In this case, I think these songs needed a little bit more development than he was willing to give them. They feel half-finished. A lot of them feel like vamps. Okay, I love that rude guitar sound that he gets. In this case, I I really feel it just feels like a slapdash record. This was clearly a toss-off. He released two other records this year, including that massive box set of his early career, that are much better than this recording. So maybe that was part of it. He just had too much on his plate and thought, oh, I'm just going to throw this one out there as well. Well, as far as I'm concerned, this should have stayed in the archives and he should have worked on it a little bit longer before he put it out there. Fork on the Road is the name of the album, the turkey that I am talking about. And just to give you a small taste of it, here's Cough Up the Bucks from Neil Young on Sound Opinions. That's Cough Up the Bucks from one of my turkeys, Fork in the Road, from Neil Young. Sad as it is for me to say that. Uh, Jim, what's your first turkey of the year?
2: Greg, the one I'm going to stick a fork in first is Music for Men, the much-anticipated Columbia Records debut by The Gossip. I love this band. It's, It's three albums that preceded it. Arkansas to Olympia, Washington Transplant, Beth Ditto. ...is a heroine of mine, okay? A larger-than-life personality in every way, out there fighting some of the biggest evils in (laughs) pop culture and society today. She's battling sexism, she's battling homophobia, she's battling sizism, and I've been cheering her on throughout her career. They get signed after years as a cool, dance-punk, underground phenomenon to the major label, and they are ruined... How many times have we heard this story? You know what I mean? But I haven't seen an example of it this egregious since the heyday of the alternative Hmm. era, you know, where all of a sudden the grungy bar band becomes, you know, remade for superstardom and then trashed all within the space of what used to seem like three weeks. Mm -hmm. That's what's happening in the gossip. This is a band that the underground has really turned its back on because nobody liked music for men. Produced by Rick Rubin, one of the superstar producers of the era, takes time off from working with Slayer and the Red Hot Chili Peppers (laughs) (laughs) to ruin Beth Ditto and the gossip. And I'm shocked. I I can't let Beth off the hook because she's a woman who knows what she wants. Great singer. How could she have listened to this and said, yes, this is the gossip. I'm going to play a little of it here. We're we're not going to try to punish you people at home with too much of these, but just so you understand what we're talking about, here is Dime Store Diamond from the Gossip's Music for Men on Sound Opinions.
1: a dime store diamond Everybody knows just where she gets her clothes
0: Dime Store Diamond on Sound Opinions from the Gossip, one of Jim D'Aragatis' Turkeys of the Year. You hated this one, too, I right? I did too. Very disappointing record, absolutely. The Pains of Being Pure at Heart are going to be my next Turkey of the Year, Jim. And but I like this one. I know you do. And uh, debut album, self titled from this Brooklyn based quartet. I had high hopes for it based on what I was hearing. On their MySpace site, based on what I was reading in the blogosphere, it sounded like this record was going to be exactly up my alley. Fuzzy guitars, kind of dreamy co-ed vocals, thumping tribal beat, reminds me a lot of that uh, mid-80s UK sound, uh, the shop assistants, the primitives, bands of that ilk. I normally love that sort of thing. I can't express how much this record let me down once I started listening to the whole thing. One song after the other, basically the same formula over and over again. And what you look for, how are you going to distinguish yourself from those obvious influences? In the case of this band, I don't think they did anything to distinguish themselves. There's zero personality on this record. The hooks are kind of nice, but they fade away almost instantly. It's a real letdown for me. Here's a song that gives a little taste of what I'm talking about. Again, copying a couple of my favorite bands, the Jesus and Mary Jane and the Ronettes. <laughs> yeah. And they take that formula and they don't do a whole lot with it. It's the pains of being pure at heart with a song called Gentle Sons on Sound Opinions.
2: sons by the pains of being pure at heart on sound opinions. I'm listening again I'm still liking it. I think you punted on that turkey Mr. God. <laughs> but when we come back on sound opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media we'll give you even more of the year's biggest musical turkeys. Plus we'll hand the rifle over to you the listeners. Then later on we've got reviews of the new albums by Rihanna and Julian Casablancas.
4: Temperatures rising Fever.
0: Welcome back to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. Jim DeRogatis and myself, Greg Cott, were running down some of our turkeys of the year, records that we had high hopes for but uh, ultimately disappointed us gravely. We're going to return to our list in a minute, but first we're going to take some callers. Yes, indeed, Greg. We have got Matt from Pasadena, California, on the line.
2: Welcome to the show, Matt. Hey, thanks for having me Tell us, Matt, do you have a uh, contender for the Thanksgiving Turkey Shoot for 2009? An album that should have been great and really let you down
5: Absolutely, yeah, Andrew Bird's Noble Beast Why do you dislike Andrew Bird? Well, I just felt like his first two CDs were, they were good I thought they were pretty interesting I thought he, was, he had some direction with the sound and kind of how he was writing And Noble Beast is just a big step back where it's boring and contrived and really, really smug Mm. Um, it's just disappointing, and uh, I, I expect a lot more from Andrew Bird.
2: Give us an example of something where you think he's especially smug on this record, and we'll play a little of it.
5: <laughs> I think he's especially smug on natural disaster. I mean, I couldn't believe the lyrics he wrote in the song. There's the lyric: it's uh, like, no peace in the valleys, malarial alleys where the kittens have pleurisy, donning our goggles, valerian ogles. <laughs> Like, I don't know what he's talking
2: about. Yeah, yeah, I have that problem, <laughs> yeah. too. Let's hear a little of that.
4: No peace in the valleys, malarial valleys, where the kittens of Donning our goggles, valerian ogles, to see microscopically. Colony of domestics, undressed and digested
2: natural disaster by Andrew Bird. you know oh. contrary to what they tell you in in high school the thesaurus is not
5: necessarily your best
2: friend doesn't make
5: you a better writer <laughs> It's pretty bad. I really feel like you've just been trying to use big words to sound smart, and he sounds pretty dumb. And the CD is pretty much a natural disaster.
3: Wow. <laughs>
5: <laughs> All right, Matt.
2: I I agree. I think Mr. Cott uh, less so. But uh, thank you for your turkey shoot pick on Sound Opinions.
5: All right, thanks, guys. Take care. <laughs>
0: We've got another caller to check in with, Philip from uh, Austin, Texas. Hi, Philip. You're on Sound Opinions.
5: Hey, it's great to talk
6: to you guys.
0: Likewise. Tell us about your Turkey of the Year. What's a record that you had high hopes for but uh, ultimately ended up disappointing you?
6: Uh, Well, um, it's Chris Cornell's Scream. Oh, yeah. And I had had heard about Chris Cornell, who I hadn't really thought much about, (laughs) that he was coming out with a new record. And and I thought it sounded strange (laughs)
3: that
6: he was going to do a collaboration with Timberlaine, is that his name? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the past few years, some collaborations that that I thought unlikely had really surprised me, like uh, William Shatner and, and Ben Folds. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I gave it a shot, and <laughs>
3: mm.
6: and boy, I, I just didn't like it at all.
2: Yeah, it is. Uh, it is almost notoriously bad. I think, you know, in the annals of horrible albums from great artists, this is going to be like a top 10 contender of all time. Yeah.
0: Somehow uh, that voice and those uh, pop and lock dance crews by Timbaland just don't go together.
6: Oh, uh, and and a lot of I, I don't know. It, it, it almost sounds detached. It almost sounds like a mashup, like yeah, like they were totally separated, and somebody thought it would be a wise idea to put them together or something. I don't well, know. I,
2: I've heard insane mashups that work better than that well, yeah, record. Have, you know, it, yeah. and you had been like a Soundgarden fan. Yeah, before.
6: yeah. Bad Motorfinger uh, remains one of my uh, top ten. Uh,
2: <laughs> yeah. You just want to sit him down and say, "Listen, man, how did it come to this?
6: Yeah. Are you okay?
2: <laughs> Do you need some help?" <laughs> <laughs>
6: exactly, exactly. I think I uh, had Trent Reznor talking about it a while back, and, and I think he said it pretty well. You know, it, it was a money grab, and anytime it's a money yeah. grab, it's you
2: know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you make your bed, you got to lay in it. Thank you, Philip. Thanks for coming on Sound Opinions.
6: All right. Well, thanks. It's great to talk to you.
2: You're listening to the Sound Opinions Thanksgiving turkey shoot. Hopefully it uh, is less painful for you than it was for (laughs) us to listen to these artists who broke our hearts. Greg, I always tell people, never trust a critic who does not occasionally double back on his or herself, okay? You live with music, your opinion changes as the year progresses. When I reviewed Green Day's 21st Century Breakdown for the paper, I gave it three out of four stars on the Suntime Scale. Yet I gave it a, a burn it, I think, when we reviewed it for the show here and as the year progressed i liked it less and less until it got to the point of actively (laughs) hating it i think the the turning point was when i saw the band in concert and they have truly become a bargain basement version of kiss there was geysers of flame and all this silliness on stage and it comes as such a surprise because after that phenomenal breakthrough with dookie in the mid-90s and then kind of petering out for a while but then coming back Back Strong in 2004 with American Idiot. This concept album, this rock opera about the political situation in in the world. uh, You know, Green Day really redeemed themselves. Then they try to duplicate it again with... 21st Century Breakdown, this big sprawling mess of a record that finds them, you know, aping Queen or Guns N' Roses in its orchestral phase at times and it's just a bad, bad, bad match. And then in between they're gearing up to bring American Idiot to Broadway now? It's like, (laughs) hey, Billy Joe Armstrong, man, what is going on? You are losing the plot. If you doubt it, just hear a little bit of this. It's called Last Night on Earth by Green Day.
4: It's God's sake.
2: With Last Night on Earth from 21st Century Breakdown. I hated this record. <laughs> it took me a while to get there, but I, I, I really think, hate it
0: now. I think you're being way too harsh on it. But uh, a record I can't be harsh enough on is Bruce Springsteen's latest, Working on a Dream. And may I just inject that it thrills me to hear you say those words? <laughs> I know. You are the biggest Springsteen h- hater on the planet. I've been back and forth on him the last decade. I thought, though, with his 2007 studio record, Magic, that he had refound the touch uh, with the E Street Band. Best thing he's done with that band since the early 80s. However, Working on a Dream ranks right up there with that 1992 record, Human Touch, oh, yeah. as the very worst of the Bruce Springsteen studio records. He's referencing a lot of pop music that influenced him as a kid. Brill-building pop, doo-wop, the Beach Boys, the birds, a little bit of Mamas and Papas. That's fine. And even brought- his version of uh, a day- bout of Davy Crockett with that <laughs> song about Pistol Pete <laughs> the, or whatever it was. May- maybe that's what that was. I don't know what he was thinking on that one. But he's bringing these influences into his sound. Okay, it's a richer, upbeat record in terms of uh, pop music, more optimistic look. What I miss about Springsteen on this record in particular, though, is his ability to create these rich interior worlds for the characters he's, he's painting. He doesn't seem very invested in these characters at all. Fassel cliched lyrics reminds me of Nickelback in a way, just kind of formula-type <laughs> pop music that is so beneath what Springsteen's normal standards are. One of the worst things he's done and uh, an example of it is this song right here, Queen of the Supermarket from Bruce Springsteen on Sound Opinions.
3: With my shopping cart I move through the
4: heart Of a sea of so blissfully unaware That there in the presence of something wonder
0: to the supermarket from Bruce Springsteen. Sad to say, one of my turkeys of the year. Jim, what's your final pick for a turkey of the year? Well, it would be hard, Mr. Cott, to top
2: this day in Sound Opinions history with you dissing the boss. But uh, both of us. Now, now I'm going to emphatically state, for the record, you... And I are two of the biggest Bob Dylan fans I know, right? It it takes work to be a Dylan fan. (laughs) We've been with him for half a century. You know, I I wasn't born half a century ago, but I caught up, you know? I've been, I've seen awful Dylan, I've seen great Dylan, I've listened to all the records, I've read the books, okay? Bob Dylan's Christmas in the Heart is emphatically not only the worst Dylan album, not only one of the worst albums of the year, it's one of the worst albums of all time. (laughs) I got a surprise for you, okay? There are very few times, I, I think we're competitors, but there are a few times when I am envious of you, Mr. Cott. However, music writer Bill Flanagan recently scored an exclusive coup with Mr. Dylan mm-hmm. of an interview. Albeit, Dylan only answers in sentence fragments, right? It's, right? it's an awful interview. But Bill Flanagan specifically asked Now, Greg Cott of the Chicago Tribune felt this record, Christmas in the Heart, needed more irreverence. Doesn't that miss the point? And Dylan says, I'm going to do my Dylan for you. Well, sure it does, but that's an irresponsible statement anyway. Isn't there enough irreverence in the world? (laughs) Who would need more, especially at Christmas time? You've been dissed by Dylan. I get Ryan Adams, you get Bob Dylan. I'm right in there, man. Um, I love it. Dylan, throughout this short, weird interview, insists that he was serious, that Mm -hmm. he did not mean to be sarcastic in recording the absolutely beyond dreadful So strange, you think he's he's making fun of these songs, versions of Christmas standards, right? Now knowing Dylan as we do, and the funhouse mirror that is all of his statements, right? I have to suspect that him insisting that he was sincere in trying to sing like Nat King Cole means that, in fact, it was a joke. And many of the hate mails that I got, and, and you got them, too, when, when we reviewed this record, were along the lines of, like, don't you understand this was all sarcastic, and you made it sound so bad that I want to rush out and buy it because it sounds so bad that it's good. No, this is so bad that it's bad. It's not good at all. There's complete lack of goodness. And if you doubt it, just listen to Must Be Santa by Bob Dilly <laughs> Who's got a beard that's long and white?
4: Santa's got a beard long and white. Who comes round on special night? Santa comes round on special night. Special night, beard that's white. Must be Santa. Must be Santa. Must be Santa. Must be Santa. Santa Claus. Who wears boots and a the ribs? Santa wears boots and a suit and Who has a long hair on his head? Santa wears a long cap on his head. Hey, Sue that's red. special night, here yeah, that's white Must be Santa, must be Santa, must be Santa, Santa long Who's got a big red cherry nose? santa has got a big red cherry nose Who laughs this way, ho 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 Santa laughs this way, ho 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 Cherry nose, Cap on head, Sue that's red, special night, here yeah, that's white
0: bob dylan must be xana <laughs> that's just insidious come on he's, he's come on bob i love you but you're joking right tell me you're joking all right if you want to share your musical turkey or comment at anything in the rock universe give us a call on our hotline 888-859-1800 you can also email us at interact at sound or connect to us on facebook We'll be back after a short break on Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media, with reviews of new albums from pop star Rihanna and Julian Casablancas of The Strokes.
7: He says to me, If you play, you play for key. Take the gun and count to three. I'm sweating now, I'm moving slow. No time to think, my turn to go.
2: Welcome back to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. That is Rihanna with a song called Russian Roulette, which is uh, the big hit single so far from her new album, the fourth of her career, Rated R. It's a metaphor, Greg, but I'll get to that in a minute. Who is Rihanna? Moderately talented young dance pop artist discovered uh, in her native Barbados by a guy who had been a big producer for Sync. Christina Aguilera, Jessica Simpson, Kelly Clarkson, he saw something in this young woman, Robin Rihanna Fenty, brought her back to America, made two popular but but pretty mediocre records with her, Music of the Sun, A Girl Like Me, uh, in 2005 and 2006, respectively. You know, it's your standard dance pop with a little bit of Caribbean spicing in there, okay? But, She blows up big in 2007 with Good Girl Gone Bad. That's the album that gave us uh, Umbrella, you know, the song of 2007 and Mm -hmm. 2008, Ella, Ella, Ella. And it follows that up with Disturbia. Still, you have to look at her and you say, well, you know, this is yet another of these new millennial pop princesses who have been groomed for stardom, who are out there rather scantily clad, who are peddling sex and rather generic dance pop sounds. Something happened to Rihanna, though, on the way to making this new album rated R. Infamously, last February, there was an altercation that prompted her to not appear on the Grammy Awards, as she was supposed to, performing when she was beaten by her boyfriend, Chris Brown, brutally. He has now pled guilty and is serving a pretty substantial uh, sentence of five years probation, six months of community labor, and a year of domestic violence counseling. And in the meantime, Rihanna has returned to making music with an all star team of superstar producers Stargate, The Dream, Neo, The Great Will I Am, <laughs> Justin Timberlake writes a song with her. This is as good a roster of talent as money can buy in the dance pop realm in 2009. What is the result on record? Let's play a track, and as always with our record reviews, we'll come back and give our opinions after we hear this. This is a song. Called Stupid in Love by Rihanna from the new Rated R on Sound Opinions. Mm,
7: stupid in Love. Oh, stupid in Love. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something. Never have I ever been a size 10 in my Oh yeah. yeah. Guess that's what make me dumb He don't want it
0: Stupid in Love from the fourth studio album by Rihanna, rated R. Jim, this record is totally unexpected for me. I definitely had this artist pigeonholed as a certain type of singer favoring airy pop songs. A a light voice with light backing tracks making perfectly pleasing pop music that was neither here nor there. Here we have a record of actual substance, the kind of record that haunts you days after you hear it. Uh, You can't help but feel that she's addressing directly that relationship that she had with Chris Brown. Even though she's not credited as a writer on any of these tracks, it appears that she had a much greater voice in the way this record was shaped than any of her previous releases. And it may be a factor that, you know, she made those previous three records when she was a teenager. Yeah, she's Uh, only 21 now. Now she's only 21, but at the same time, she seems to have matured a decade in the last couple of years just because of the tone of this record. There are some harder edges on this record as well. She poses on the cover, and she looks a little bit like Grace Jones, that feral club singer from the 80s. I was thinking Uh, Daryl Hannah in Blade Runner. Well, there's another good reference You know, she's referencing things like goth rock and new wave as well as dance music and electro pop on this record. So expanding her sound uh, quite a bit. I love the harder edges. She's coming across tougher, and I think that that's a case of just a stealing herself for going out in the world and realizing that a lot of her innocence has been lost, never to be regained, and yet at the same time, able to look inward and look back at this relationship with a mixture of regret and ruefulness and you know, despair about what happened to her and this relationship. Yeah. Clearly, she was deeply in love and an incredible disappointment ending the way it did. I did not expect this record, as I said at the top. Uh, I think it is one of the best records of the year. Those are the last words I expected to be hearing myself say. (laughs) Rihanna has just made one of the records of 2009, but I am saying it. I think it's a buy-it record. I absolutely agree with you, and I didn't expect much either. Also, a buy-it record from me.
2: Greg, I don't want to go too far here, because there's not going to be any mistaking Rihanna for Mary J. Blige or Queen Latifah or Aretha Franklin, these towering, Pillars of feminist strength, mm. however she she is examining these issues in three parts on this album number one she 's happy, carefree top of the world superstar enjoying her wealth and fame, and with a superstar boyfriend. In the middle of the record, the most fascinating part—things go really wrong. That's where "Stupid Girl" kind of turns the whole record. Russian Roulette falls in there. Rockstar One Hundred One. She begins to pick herself up mm-hmm. from the floor, uh, nicely equating rock with rebellion. You know, there's like mm-hmm. nobody in the rock world does that anymore. Right. Right? Everything's twee and indie rock, right? Mm-hmm. You know, for, for for Rihanna, rock equals fighting back. At the end, she begins to get soft again and and see possibilities with a really nice ballad written uh, by Justin Timberlake, Cold Case Love. So it's a journey, it's a message of empowerment for all those young fans lest anyone think that what Chris Brown who as far as I'm concerned should not have a career anymore I mean he was a brutal oh you know the man's a brutal thug and he's pled guilty to felony assault and it's gonna be very hard to ever hear a romantic song from him again uh, without thinking of of the crime that uh, it was very real and very disturbing Rihanna fired back and, and drew great art out of it and if she can ever do anything along these lines again you know she's gonna be really somebody to watch throughout her whole career
0: 11th dimension from uh, the solo debut by the stroke singer Julian Casablancas called Phrases for the Young. Casablancas leads the strokes, a band that has just been named as making the best album of the decade by the NME in England. That was The uh, Strokes' 2001 debut album, This Is It.
2: doesn't say much about the whole rest of the nine years that followed, you well, know?
0: Well, I guess not, but that record is still highly revered. It brought back guitars. It brought back that sound of New York. It It connected The Strokes and that New York scene of the early part of this decade to that New York City tradition, you know, the Feelys, the the Sonic Youths, the Velvet Undergrounds of the world and brought that sound back into the mainstream. Since then, The Strokes have had an up-and-down career. Their last album, their third record, came out in 2006, First Impressions of Earth. Last impression of The Strokes wasn't very good. They've been <laughs> I liked it more than you. Well, yes, but I, I found it a disappointment after the after the debut. They've been struggling. The, the, this New York City Quintet has been struggling for the last few years to get back together in the studio and, and come up with a fourth studio album. Meanwhile, Casablancas, who has been perhaps underrated as is the auteur of this band the guy who really is the brains behind the machine uh, who writes most of the songs and and directs the sound has been working on a solo record the solo album comes out before the actual strokes record I don't know what that says about the state of the strokes but clearly Casablanca's head is outside of that band and he's taking a left turn with this record We're going to talk about that in a minute when we review the record, but let's play one of those left-field tracks first. It's called Ludlow Street from Julian Casablanca's solo debut, Phrases for the Young, on Sound Opinions.
2: was Ludlow Street by Julian Casablancas from his debut solo album Phrases for the Young. Mr. Cott, you know the derivation of that term? I do not. The Oscar Wilde essay Phrases and Philosophies for Use of the Young. He's a smart boy, that Julian. I've always (laughs) been a fan. (laughs) Well-read young man. Of what he was doing with The Strokes and uh, I I wanted to like this album so much. You know, if we weren't just reviewing it now, I think it would be a contender uh, for a turkey of the year for me. Wow. Half of the album is, is rotten, lousy with, with cheap sounding drum machines, okay? Now in the Strokes you happen to have one of the most mechanical and flawless drummers in rock ever with Fabrizio Moretti, okay? Mm-hmm. So why would you use a machine when you had this great human machine mm-hmm. at your disposal? You know, the best moments here sound very much like their demos for a Strokes record. Yeah. And then there are these stylistic experiments. Ludlow Street was one of them. What kind of weird drunken blues, uptight, freak folk detour is that? And 11th Dimension, when he's trying to do the dance stuff or that computer ballad glass, it's like, Julian, you know, I, 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 it's great that you're stretching out, but you didn't stretch in any interesting direction. You know what this reminds me of? A classic New York punk, right? Mm-hmm. Leather jacket and all, like in the bright
0: sunshine on a beach. <laughs> it just doesn't look right, and it doesn't sound right.
2: So I have to say, buy it, burn it, trash it. This is a uh, trash it record.
0: Well, I think I'm in agreement with you on this one, Jim. I, I do applaud the experimentation. I mean, he he would have looked ridiculous trying to make a Strokes record without the Strokes. So you, you've got to go in another direction. So hence you know, you're using the drum machines and you're using more keyboards instead of guitars. Nothing wrong with that. I, I do think, you know, the fact that he was in 11th Dimension, he's trying to do sort of one of those new wave John Hughes movie soundtrack type songs. Or in River of Break Lights, that's... Uh, to me, him channeling a little bit of Gary Newman. All he mm. needs is the rubber suit. Um, <laughs> Four Chords of the Apocalypse, he's trying to do a little slow burn soul ballad there. You know, maybe a little bit of Otis Redding in his in his background. Ludlow Street, who would have ever expected to hear a banjo on a uh, Julian Casablanca's record, right? But, the experimentation aside, these songs aren't very good, and, and you nailed it. The, the Strokes win when they pitch that sleepy dreamy Julian vocal kind of behind the beat with that driving rhythm section the tension is right there you've got that hurtling subway car rhythm You've got that kind of disenchanted vocalist on top of that, and that's an exciting sound when they do it right. Here, the tempos are all kind of mid-tempo or slower. It just moves really slowly. Yeah. And one song after another, despite the stylistic variety, kind of falls into the same tempo pocket, and it's kind of boring at the end of it. So, yeah, it's a Trash It record. Double Trash It on Julian Casablancas. What do we have on the show that
2: isn't trash next week, Mr.
0: Cott? Jim, next week we have a visit from uh, Donnie Harrison, the son of a certain Beatle, George Harrison, who has a new band, the new Number 2, uh, that is going to be in the studio with us for a live performance.
2: Greg, as always, we have some thank yous to say on the way out. Sound Opinions was produced by the terrifically tryptophan-free team of Jason Saldana and Robin Lynn. And our fearless leader, our executive producer, was Tori Southside Malatia, a man who alone reportedly was worth 10,000 of those YouTube hits that Susan Boyle got. Ding-a-ling,
1: ding-a-ling goes a telephone. Ding-a-ling-a-ling-a-lingle goes my heart. Ding a ling ding a ling goes a telephone and I know that the fireworks will start. Would
0: on sound opinions, everyone's a critic. Now baker, it's time to hear what you have to say.
1: With
6: some
8: on his New messages. My name is Kelly phone, and I'm from Overland Park, Kansas. On, I listened to your show about progressive rock and I was really surprised that you didn't at least mention um, Dream Theater. I um, became a huge uh, jazz fan in college and was listening to exclusively jazz, which is really known for having virtualistic musicians and uh, excellent compositions and so on and so forth. A lot of the characteristics of progressive rock. When I encountered Dream Theater, I just fell in love with them because um, musicians come from a great educational background, and they write awesome songs, and so on, and so forth. So I was surprised that uh, you didn't at least mention them. This is Pat from Olympia, Washington, and I'm calling because I just listened to your interview with the Dodos, and I heard Jim bring up something that I think you should do a whole show about, and uh, that's cultural appropriation. And I just wanted to um, make a point about what you were saying. You know, when Fela heard James Brown through his shortwave, what he was hearing was his own cultural heritage filtered through centuries of African American history. And being his heritage, he had a right to reinterpret it and an opportunity and responsibility. You know, it's, it's his heritage, it's his thing to sustain. When Peter Gabriel and Paul Simon hear that same heritage, they may create something as a loving act of support and creation, but they carry with them a history, a baggage of cultural appropriation, of other people's cultures and taking the benefit and the credit. Just to kind of exemplify what I'm trying to say here is imagine if you were a blues player at the end of your life and you helped pioneer the, the art form and you were broke and you were watching the Rolling Stones become millionaires. Thanks for the soapbox. Thanks for your show.
4: I know I know.
8: Chris from
6: Lexington, Kentucky, just calling. You know, your last couple shows, you've had these indie bands, the Dodos and Grizzly Bear. I mean, these guys are like the Jim James wannabes, which I love. My morning jacket being from Kentucky, but I mean, these guys and the Drones. I mean, they're they're, they're putting me putting me to sleep. I mean, you know, come on, pump it up a little bit. And uh, also, too, uh, Jim. I mean, you are the worst critic. That review that you gave to them crooked vultures i mean anything with john paul jones i mean it's just incredible i am not a fan of queens of the stone age at all but i mean that that was really reminding me of cream i mean there's just a a great novelty there and i mean you keep bringing up mariah carey in the last couple weeks Two shows you keep praising her i mean my god and you're gonna pan this come on get with it old man bye